We have a special speaker here today. We are definitely privileged to have him here. Um, he has many titles. Um, it said on the sign, Dr. John Davis, and he's also been instructor John Davis at Maranatha Baptist University. He has been, the, he's had the title for me as example, as counselor, as encourager, but probably the best title that I have for him is pastor. If anybody here has ever who wondered who I call pastor, it's John Davis. Uh, John came to uh, Faith Baptist in Danville when I was about 12 years old, and I grew up with his kids, and uh, he's been an encouragement to me and encouraged me to go off to Bible college and study for ministry, and he is one of the first phone calls that I make when I'm having some real problems. Nobody here included, of course, but when I'm having you know, something that I can't figure out, I've got a handful of guys, and John is one of the first ones that I call on speed dial. John, would you come at this time? Um, I grew up listening to Bible preaching, and uh, John's been faithful to the Word. We ch I chose that last song that we sang uh, because of the wonderful encouragement. And so welcome to Calvary Bible. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. What a joy and ple pleasure this is, is for me to be here in this pulpit, especially with this pastor. And Brother Jeremy is very special to our family. Uh, when you say the words, Jeremy Lazelle, Everybody smiles, and it's because he's had such a joyful spirit and a wonderful impact on my family. My son Matthew and he were best friends and, and roommates at college, and we thank the Lord for the influence that Jeremy has been on him and the influence that my son Matt has been on him. <laughs> if you have your Bible, would you join me, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 9. A little bit different kind of a message, perhaps, than you're used to this morning. I certainly believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures uh, a verbal plenary inspiration. Every and all of the words of the original manuscripts were inspired of God. We can count on them and we can be sure that they are true and, and sufficient and exactly what God wants to communicate to us. So we're going to do a little word study this morning and I invite you to follow along there. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version, chapter 9, and verse number 1. It's talking about Jesus and it says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought unto him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto them, the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you might add your blessing to it. We ask that we might be able to focus our complete and undivided attention upon you this morning. And help us, Father, to hear from heaven. And we ask that only, not only would we hear a truth, but we might understand it. And then, Lord, help us to make an application in our own lives, in our own situations, at this particular time in our life, with the, with the issues around us, uh, nationally, regionally, and even personally. Help us, Father, to see that you have a message for us this morning from your word. And so we ask that you might speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The message this morning is entitled, Five Reasons to be Cheerful. Five reasons to be cheerful. Do you need a reason to be cheerful? We should, should not need a reason, but we, God has given us some. I don't know what makes you cheerful or excited or encouraged, but the, we have an example in the Word of God of several different things. I'll, I'll not belabor each point, but I want you just to see the importance of it. God desires for us to be encouraged. He desires for us to live a full a life. As a matter of fact, in John 10, 10, he says, I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. So you need to have an abundant life, more abundant than it was before you found Christ as your Savior, 
or, the, or more abundant than the average person who does not know the Savior. And by the way, I hope that each of us here in the room this morning and under the sound of my voice can say, I know for sure that Jesus Christ is my own personal Savior. If you cannot make that statement with clarity and, and with authority, may I encourage you to consider this. Christ died on the cross to save you from your sin. And that's the only way you can be saved from your sin. There's an eternal heaven that awaits each person who knows the Savior and that he has removed their sins and given them a home in heaven. That's the only way we can say uh, that he is for sure on our way to heaven. So I hope that you are encouraged because God wants us to be encouraged. Think about this. There's nothing that is a greater disgrace to the Lord Jesus Christ than a despondent Christian. Think about it. Would you want to befriend someone who's always discouraged? Someone who's always down in the mouth? Would you want to follow someone who uh, never is sure about where they're going and sure that everything is bad, everything is wrong, nothing is good? Whenever there's an idea, it won't work. Whenever there's a suggestion, it's not going to happen. And they can always find something wrong, something fault with everything. They read or hear the news, it's bad. When they read and hear about their, their friends on Facebook, it's bad. And so they always have that negative spirit. And what does that do to you? Well, of course, it drags you down too. So may I caution you to be careful about who you follow. But let me even caution you even more. Let me caution you about how you impact others. Whatever circle of influence you have in your neighborhood, in your family, in your job, are you making a positive uh, in encouraging impact on the lives of others. So why does God want us to be encouraged? Why does he want us to have this cheerful spirit? Here's the reason. Because he loves you. Is that not a good reason? Of course it is. How many of you like to be loved? Of course, all of us, we want to be loved. And that's why we have relationships with our family and our, our spouse and our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors and uh, our church members. God loves us. And he wants us to love him. And he wants us to have the love of God in our heart. And that will be a source of encouragement to us. So we want to make sure that we are not giving the wrong impression of who God is and how he affects our lives. By the way, what do you do when you're kind of discouraged? What cheers you up? We all have our go-to thing, right? That we say, oh, you know, I don't feel so good today. I'm kind of discouraged. I'm a little depressed. I think I'm going to. What do you do? I think I'm going to go get ice cream. <laughs> I think I'm going to go to the mall. I think I'm going to see my friend. I'm going to talk to my family members. We all have some kind of a thing that helps encourage us and cheer us up. I want to go play golf. I want to go fishing. I want to, I want to do these things. I have a hobby or whatever. I want to spend some time that will make me feel better and help me forget all my woes and, and, and worries and help me just to, to have a better spirit, a better attitude. Well, that's nothing wrong with that. Maybe for you, like me, it's chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yes, sirree. How many of you say, that's a, that's a go-to, you know, right there. That's a positive. I love chocolate chip cookies. Problem is they don't love me as much as the, I love them. And so uh, whatever it is that you would look to uh, to help you get out of your funk or get out of the little, little ditch that you're in, depression-wise, and feel better... That's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But the problem is, those are all exterior. There are times when you can't go fishing. 
There are times when you can't talk to a loved one. There are times when you can't even find a chocolate chip cookie when the jar is empty. So we need to have resources that are internal and not relying on those that are external. Remember when David was, uh, was overwhelmed and was discouraged? What, he, what does the Bible say he do in Samuel? It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Our source of joy and cheerfulness and encouragement needs to come from within, from the Holy Spirit that lives within us, from the Word of God that we have put in our hearts. So we need to see how God says, I have some things that anyone and everyone can rely upon to encourage you. Look again at the verses that we read, verse number 2. It says, And behold, there brought unto him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, and said unto them, Sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. It's an interesting phrase that, was re- that, it, that it says, Be of good cheer, or be encouraged. Maybe in a different translation. Take heart. The same idea in each one of these phrases. Uh, We cannot uh, uh, find a better encouragement than that when the Lord says, be of good cheer, be encouraged, take heart, take courage. And then he says, here's why. Look at the end of the verse. Thy sins be forgiven thee. If you are forgiven... As I said a moment ago, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, think about your home in heaven. God says, I have prepared a place for you, and that where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And he prepares a home in heaven for each person who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so the first reason we have for being cheerful or being encouraged or, or taking heart is that our salvation is permanent. It is not a temporary situation. It is not something that's going to leave us or, or to be, be removed or we can, can lose on our own. It is forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Your salvation is eternal. Eternal life through Jesus Christ. How many ask you a question? How long is eternal? Forever. Not going to change. Not going to be, be in any way removed. And so think about that every day. I don't know if you spend some time meditating on the Word of God, but meditate on that wonderful truth. My salvation is forever. It is permanent. And nothing can change that. Height nor depth nor any other creature, Romans says, can take, can take away uh, our salvation. In this word here that in verse number two that's translated for us in, in, in the English, uh, good cheer, to be of good cheer or to, be, or to take heart. It's the, it's a, the idea there in the original language is that it's a present tense, which means that it's going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. It doesn't have an end. It's like a line drawn that just goes on forever into infinity. It's wonderful. And also, it's an imperative. That means it's a command. Now, if you know about commandments, you know about there are 10 commandments in the Bible, right? Well, that's not all of them. There are hundreds of commandments throughout the Word of God. And here's a commandment that Jesus gave. If you have a Bible that indicates the words of Jesus, notice that this is in His own words. He says take heart. He says, be of good cheer. Why? Your sins are forgiven. 
Think about that. Meditate on it. And thank God for it every day. You ought to make sure that it's, it's, a, it's just an automatic thing for us during the day to, to thank God for our salvation. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God for what he has done for us and to recognize this is a glorious and great and wonderful blessing to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and know that he's forgiven us. Now, you may have some friends that haven't forgiven you. You may have some family members that haven't forgiven you. You may have a spouse that hasn't forgiven you. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 48 years, and there's some things I do, and she doesn't always feel easy to forgive me on. But you know what? God does. Where does he take our sins when you ask Christ as our Savior? Where does he physically put them? The Bible says he puts them behind his back. Now, without the use of mirrors, <laughs> there's no way you can see an object that's behind your back. He removes them as far as east is from west. I'm not sure what my directions are in the auditorium this morning, but as far as east is from west, he's removed our sins from us. You can't get any further away than that. Thank God that he is a God that forgives forever. But that's not the only way this, this uh, phrase is used. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Here we find again this word used, just to get the context of it a little bit. Jesus has fed the 5,000. And we take up the narrative in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him into the other side. And he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And, and the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship, this is kind of like the old western, you know, Meanwhile, back at the ranch, meanwhile, with the disciples in the ship, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were, they were troubled, they were afraid, saying, it's a ghost, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. I, I chuckle at this narrative, but it's probably not very funny. It wasn't very funny at their time either. Jesus sends the disciples out across the Sea of Galilee in the night, and then he goes up on the hillside and prays. And they're out there by themselves. Well, you know, they're in good hands. Several of them were experienced professional fishermen, so they could handle the boat, they could handle the storm. But the darkest part of the night, a storm arises. Reminds me of one time when, uh, when our first son, Matthew, was very small. We hadn't had a vacation, and so uh, we decided that we needed to get away for a few days. So a friend of the church uh, had a cabin on a little lake, and he invited us to go down there and spend some days. So we did. And he had a little rowboat there, and uh, I loved to fish. And there was a little electric motor on that uh, rowboat, not a gas motor, electric one. And so we decided to go out in the afternoon and have a little time on the water, just Matt and I. And, uh, we had our second son. He was a pretty small baby, and, and Gail stayed in the little trailer with them. So we get out on the water, and guess what happened? <laughs> exactly. A storm came up. I mean, it was pretty sudden, too. Like, pfft, there was, over, hanging over our heads, and black clouds and wind. And this is just a tiny little, little John boat. And so I said, oh, well, we have to go across the lake and get back to our, 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 uh, our trailer. And I started going, that wasn't going to work. 
and it, it wouldn't, the, the motor wasn't strong enough to push against the, the wind, so I decided, well, I'll, I'll follow the shoreline. I got next to the shore and tried to go, it was a long way around. I wasn't sure the battery was going to be all strong enough to make it all the way around, and it was kind of a hairy little, little incident. And uh, my, my son, Matt, was young, maybe four or five, I guess he was five. That's the age difference between them. And uh, so he would say, Dad, we are, oh, son, this is fun, isn't it? Splice the water on you. This is great, isn't it? And I'm terrified inside. And, uh, but you don't want that, your son, your, your son see, see shiver. And so uh, uh, we puttered around the, the exterior of the little, little uh, lake there and made it back to our dock and safe and sound, got inside. And then I said, oh, Lord, thank you. I thought we were not going to make it. I thought we were on our way home. And so, uh, but God does something special. Here's the same thing with the disciples. They're in the middle of a sea, the middle of a storm. They think they're going to capsize, but notice what happens. In verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They said, it is a ghost, a spirit, and they cried out for fear. And Jesus straightway raises his hand and spake unto them, verse 27, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Friend, take heart, don't be afraid, I'm right here with you. And here's the second reason we have to be cheerful, and that is the Savior's presence with us. Uh, we mentioned a moment ago that Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake thee. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now our windows don't show what's going on outside, but I think most of us could realize that out there is the world. Trees, grass, cars, houses, just like it was when we came inside, right? I mean, we're all pretty much assured of that. But what if we were afraid the world had disappeared while we were in here at church? And there was no more world out there. But Davis, you're stupid. That's crazy to talk. That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And that's how sure it is that Jesus Christ is with us. He has given himself to us. And so he is ours. He is here with us. It's a wonderful thing to have the assurance that Jesus has not left us, that he is here and that he is in our midst and his presence with us. His eternal closeness to us, even as Matthew 28 says. And his, his promise never to leave us, as Hebrews 13 says. And his eternal compassion for us, his loved ones. Don't you just feel more complete when your whole family is together? Our three children are scattered out across the United States. Our daughter and her husband live in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And we have a son that lives, and his family lives in, in Danville, Illinois, and one son that lives with us in Watertown, Wisconsin. But once or twice a year, we get the whole family together, all the kids. We have seven grandkids, and well, not the grand dogs. They probably usually stay at home, but there are five of them. And we get together, and it is just the most satisfying time that Gail and I have in life. There is just something about being together with your loved ones. When my son was uh, uh, in high school, he'd often go with the youth group or friends and uh, do some things in the evening. Now, my wife and I are not late out, late night out, so uh, we'd often say to him, now, Matt, 10 o'clock, you need to be home, and so please knock on our door and let us know you're here and wake us up. And uh, sometimes he would air knock, you know, 
And he said, and I didn't, didn't, didn't hear that. So I decided to do something foolproof. All right, we, had a, we had a garage that was set back a little bit from the house and the driveway on the side of the house. And so I installed a motion detector light at the top of the garage. And I had two bulbs, and I, I shined to one, uh, pointed down toward the garage, help him get into the garage. And the other one I shined directly into my bedroom. So that as soon as somebody came down the driveway, it shined right in my bedroom, right in my eyes, and I knew when somebody was in the driveway. And uh, it baffled Matthew. He didn't know how I knew. We had this old house that we'd uh, kind of remodeled, but it had, you know, it was an old house, so it had creaky stairs, and all the bedrooms are on the second floor, and then it was impossible to get up the stairs without, you know, sounding the alarm, so to speak. Every, every step would shout, I'm here, I'm here, but he could climb those stairs without ever stepping on a creek. I don't know how he did that, but uh, he couldn't get around the motion detector light that shined in our, in our windows, and it just made me feel good to know when I saw that light. He's home. They're home. The kids are here, safe and sound, under our protection in this house. What a wonderful encouragement that is to know that they are there. And his presence with us, the Lord's presence with us, his compassion for us is unchanging. It is eternal. It is I, be not afraid. Whenever we face a circumstance that is fearful, whether it's a, a health issue or a physical accident or whatever the case might be, we sometimes are, are afraid and we have to remind ourselves, Jesus said, be not afraid, I am with you. It is I, be not afraid. And we have a second reason why we can be of good cheer, why we can take heart is because of the Savior's presence. Moving on, let's go to John chapter 16, please. And I'll move on quickly here. John chapter 16. We won't take time to review the whole chapter. It's a great opportunity for you to, re to realize the, the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples, regardless of where he was sending them and, and whatever the situation was. But I want you to notice the last verse in the chapter. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, or take heart. I have overcome the world. Here's the third reason why we have to be cheerful and confident, and that is the Savior's presence with us. He has promised to give us that peace, His peace. In the world, we're going to have trouble, tribulation, but with Jesus, we have peace. Again, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble, tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and can give you peace. Just reminding, reminds me of when Jesus was with the disciples in the boat, and a storm rose up, and he was in the back of the boat asleep, and they were all afraid and fearful. The boat's going down, Jesus, what are we going to do? And he stood up, raised his hand, and what did he say? Peace, be still. And he calmed the winds, and he calmed the waves, and he stopped the storm. Ladies and gentlemen, a storm comes into our life, our privilege is to rely on Jesus to say, don't be afraid. I am here. Whether it's standing beside a bedside or in a funeral home, or whether it's standing beside a despondent friend or, or loved one, 
we can always be reassured and comforted and encouraged by the peace that God gives us. Maybe you have experienced this. Maybe you have, have seen this. When someone is going through a desperate situation, a deep trial, but yet they seem to be able to rise above all the catastrophe and all the commotion and have a spirit of calmness, a spirit of com comfort, a spirit of completeness. And you look at that and you say, how in the world can you be so calm when everything is so chaotic? The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Just like Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but I give you my peace. And there's a good reason for us to be comforted, to be encouraged, to take heart. Notice he says, I want to give you peace for the trials that you face, just as he was talking about the tribulation here. But he also gives us peace from trials. You ever think about that? Did you ever look at somebody else and the trouble and problems that they're having and you ever stop and say, Lord, thank you? I don't have that problem. We haven't seen that catastrophe. That tragedy has not touched us. Why? Because God has spared you and has given you peace from trials. He gives us peace for the trials. And so we need to be thankful for that. It is a source of great comfort and wonderful assurance that we can have great peace, have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We look at our national situation and the division within our country and the, the amount of doubt that we have in our government officials and our health systems, and we wonder, oh, what's going to happen? How is the world going to ever overcome this, this uh, terrible pandemic situation? Peace. Jesus gives us his peace. And we don't have to let it turn our stomachs and give us turmoil. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to, to have, be biting our nails and pacing the, the, the floor, thinking about what's going to happen in this pandemic. We can rely on the peace of Jesus that passes all understanding. And we can be encouraged, even in the midst of a trial like that. Let's go to Acts chapter 23. And we'll notice the next time that we find this word or this phrase used in the New Testament. Paul here has been arrested for preaching. He's been warned about it, didn't heed the man's warning, went ahead and did it anyway. Government said, don't do it anymore. And he said, didn't, I can't obey, I have to obey, obey God rather than man. And so he went ahead and preached, and he got arrested. And he got brought before the government officials, and they passed him off from one to another, and they threatened him. But he wouldn't stop because God said, this is what you do. You are my spokesperson. You are my mouthpiece. You are my ambassador. Sp speak and preach my word. So he did. He continued on. And it got down to the point where he was about to be executed. And so in chapter 23, he was facing a trial in this, before the Sanhedrin of the Jews. And he didn't know exactly what the pronouncement was going to be. He didn't know what the punishment was going to be. It could be his very last night on earth. And the two segments of the Sanhedrin were arguing about what to do with him. And Paul was taken to his cell and locked in for his last night on earth. Notice with me in verse number 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. Be, be encouraged. Take heart. Paul, for thou 
hast testified of me in Jerusalem, notice this part, so thou must be, bear witness of me at Rome. Now, why is that significant? How do you go from Jerusalem to Rome if you're dead? What the Lord was saying to you, <laughs> Paul, don't be afraid of what these people are threatening to do to you. They're not going to execute you in the morning. You're not dying. You're not leaving earth. I am not finished with you yet. By the way, God is not finished with any of us yet. You know how I know that? We're still breathing. We're still above ground. And as long as we are here, as long as God gives us breath, He has a ministry. He has a way for us to be a, a, a spokesperson for Him, an ambassador, a witness for Him. And God wants you and I to be committed to Him, to be surrendered to Him, and be useful to Him. So what a blessing it is. Paul in that night heard the angel of the Lord, or the voice of the Lord spoke, spoke to him and said, Paul, you're going to take the message of the gospel to Rome. And you're going to be able to give it right to the officials in Rome. So he knew that he had great opportunity. The, the potential for service of the Lord is infinite. And that's the fourth reason we have to, to be encouraged, to be cheerful. And that is our service potential. God is not finished with us yet. And being able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ gives us great, uh, great encouragement, gives us great cheer to think that my life can count for Christ. I can still do something for Him. And what a blessing that is. The blessing of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I was saved as a freshman in college. I was invited to church, a new church that was starting in our town. The very first service of the church, the Grace Baptist Church in Morris, Illinois, I was invited to attend, and I went with my friend. And we went there, sat in, in, in little, little pews or chairs there, and the guy preached out of the Bible. I had never heard anybody do that before. And he gave a clear message of salvation. Never heard that before. He told me that I was a sinner and that I deserved a penalty in hell forever. Never heard that before. He told me that Jesus loves me, died on the cross for me, and offers me forgiveness. Didn't, never heard that before. He said that if I would ask Jesus Christ to forgive me, he would do it. Never heard that before. So we left that service and I was upset. Who does that guy think he is telling me that I'm a sinner and that I'm not going to heaven? But I was upset. I didn't want to go back. But my friend said, I'm going back next week. Are you going to come with me? I said, okay. You know why I was so drawn? That friend is sitting here this morning, my wife. And I liked her a lot. We'd just been dating a short while and I thought she was pretty. I thought she was great. She has these beautiful blue eyes that go on for like ever. And uh, she's just the sweetest person I've ever met in my life. And she said, would you come back with me? I said, I guess I could endure it for a little longer. <laughs> and that scenario repeated itself for three or four weeks. And the Lord was speaking to my heart. I was under great conviction until finally I couldn't take it anymore. And I couldn't sleep. I got out of bed, knelt down beside my bed at my parents' house, looked out the window at the stars and and thought about God in heaven, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. But here's the good part. He did. He heard my prayer, and he did forgive me. But here's the second good part. That pretty little girl, I married her, and we've been together for 48 years, and what a blessing that is as well. God gives us the wonderful potential to serve him. 
You know, I had my plan set. I was going to be a businessman. I was going to make a million dollars before I was 30 years old. And then the Lord said, I got a different plan. I want you to go to, to Bible college and I want you to study for the ministry. So I did. And God gave, has given me decades and decades of ministry opportunities. Wow. What a different life he had for me than I had planned for myself. And ladies and gentlemen, when we uh, surrender our life to the Lord, he uses us. And Paul had surrendered his life, and now God was using him. It wasn't going to end in a jail cell in, in Jerusalem. He was going on uh, to, to Rome and preached the gospel there as well. So the potential that we have. You know, when you serve the Lord, it gives you an eternal purpose. When you serve the Lord, it gives you an eternal pleasure. When you serve the Lord and give yourself the use of him, it gives you extra privilege as well. God opens doors and directs paths and gives you the, the things that you could not ever have for yourself. For example, do you think Paul could have gone to Rome and knocked on Caesar's palace and said, hey, I love you and I want to, I want to tell you about Jesus? Well, how far would he have gotten? Well, the guards would have thrown him out on his ear. But those same guards are the ones that were chained to him in the, in the jail cell in, Jerusalem, in, in Rome, and he was allowed to witness to, and they asked Jesus Christ to save you, and many of those guards trusted Christ as Savior. That was a potential that he never dreamed possible to have. God opens doors and directs paths and allows us to serve him. So that's another reason why we have to be cheerful. We have the potential to serve him. One last time, let's look to, to Acts chapter number uh, 27, please. Acts chapter 27. And we find the same phrase used again in this particular chapter. Actually, it's used three times here, so we're going to just focus on one because basically they're all the same incident. Paul is on a journey here from Jerusalem to Rome, just like God promised back in the prison. And they've tried to go across the Mediterranean Sea in the middle of winter, which is a dumb idea uh, because the sea is not, uh, uh, not very calm. And they, as you know, they had shipwrecked and all kinds of problems. And, and so anyway, after uh, they launched off and they were facing these storms and there was tough sailing and they weren't going to make it, it looks like. Matter of fact, verse number 20 says, Acts 27, 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. So Paul and his his sailing uh, friends and the prisoners that were on the, on the vessel with him, they all knew they were going to die. All hope had been taken away. But notice verse 21. And after long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should, not have, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. Does that sound like a preacher? I told you so. I warned you, you didn't listen. Now look at the mess we're in. Kind of sounds like a parent too, doesn't it? So Paul is telling them, look, I told you not to leave the island of Crete. I told you that we're not going to make it. And here we are in the midst of the storm and we're about to go down. So Paul's giving them a I told you so speech. Well, that's really not, really not what uh, they needed. And verse 22, it says, and now Paul says, and now I exhort you that you be of good cheer for they shall... There shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. And there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, that thou might be brought unto Caesar, and lo, God hath given them all them that travel with thee. Verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God 
and it shall be even as I was told unto me. God spoke to Paul, and Paul was speaking now to the soldiers and sailors on that boat. And here's what he said. Be cheerful. Be of good cheer. Take heart. No one's going to die. We're all going to make it. And about then, when the boat just kind of broke apart, and everyone was splashed into the sea. Most of the people, I'm sure, were not swimmers. So how did they get there? Well, they grabbed a hold of a piece of wood or a a chunk of uh, the boat and washed up onto the shore, and no one drowned. No loss of life, even as God had said to Paul. But I want you to notice verse 25, the wonderful phrase, Be of good cheer, take heart, for I believe God. And the last source of our encouragement, our comfort, our cheerfulness, is the Scripture's power has the ability to encourage us. When we have have been overwhelmed by circumstances, we need to look to the Word of God and be encouraged by its power. The Bible has the power to give us faith, as Romans 10 says. The Bible has the power to give us the truth, the facts. A lot of of misinformation going around the country. We don't know what the truth is. We know what the facts are, but God does. And God gives us the truth in His Word. And the Bible has the ability, the power to give us freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And we can be encouraged because this is our truth. This is our power. This is our comfort. These are our promises. These are the the wisdom of God for today and tomorrow and all of eternity. So how do we know that we can take heart? How does he show us? Through his word. What a wonderful blessing it is. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you a little discouraged today? Circumstances closing in? Problems overwhelming? Do you need to be encouraged? Do you need to take heart? Then look to God and look at the ways he's promised for us to be of good cheer. Would you bow together with me for prayer, please? Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for your word that you've given to us, how thankful we are for its truth, and it's not just the words of men, it is, in fact, the word of God, and so we ask that we might believe it. Help us, Father, not to doubt what you've said, what you've demonstrated to us, what you've put in our mind and in our hearts, and may we let it guide us and direct us and encourage us, and Father, may we be an example to the believers and to others. Help them to see our faith and our confidence is in you. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the piano to play through, and I'd like to give us a chance to pray, maybe meditate on what we've just heard. Maybe you're here today, and that message that came right at the beginning, the only way that you can be saved is because Jesus Christ died for you. I'd invite you, even in this moment, you might want to pray and ask God to save you forgive you of your sins if you've never done so. And this is the first step for us to having this encouragement. Maybe there was something else in the message that God was very specific about talking to you. Let's take just a moment and pray.
Amen. Amen.